So we're in a series called uh, Names of God. We've been talking about this for the last four weeks. And before we do, I just would you give me, do me a favor? Would you help us welcome those who are watching us online? We welcome you today. We hope you felt the presence of God where you're at like we have in the room. And so we've been in this series talking about the names of God. And here's the reason why we've been doing it. Because some of you have, have maybe over your, your experience have felt like maybe God was a million miles away. That he didn't understand you, didn't know you. And really was this far off God when, when there's nothing that's, that's. God decided to come to where you are. Aren't you glad he, he decided to do that? And his name, Jehovah, we've been talking about this name, Jehovah. It's derived from the Hebrew name, Yahweh, the holy name of God. The most holy name there is of his name. And he we translate that into English, it's Jehovah, and it really is an experience that we can have a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. Are you glad that you can have that kind of relationship with God this morning? And so, we've been talking about this week one, we said he's Jehovah Jireh, he's our provider. Aren't you glad he provides? And then he's Jehovah, he's our Jehovah Shalom, he's our peace. He's the one that brings us peace even in the middle of the roughest of circumstances. And then week three... We said he's Jehovah Rapha. He's our healer. By his stripes, we're here. Aren't you glad God's still in the healing business this morning? And then last week or two weeks ago, we said he's Jehovah Nisi. He's our banner of victory. We look to the cross and we see when Jesus said it is finished, the victory was won. Amen? So today I want to talk to you about him being Jehovah Makedesh, which he's our sanctifier. And I want to kind of uh, paint a picture for you of, of really what this looks like because there's a, there's a wrong picture of this that I grew up in, and some of you did too, where you felt like that, that this, this idea of sanctification was, was almost a word that you, you tried to avoid because it, it meant that God was, uh, was uh, just trying to ruin your day. That he was trying to be this God who wanted to ruin all your fun. Has anybody ever thought that about God? And so this idea of him being a sanctifier, maybe some of you are wondering, you know, what does it really mean? That God is the God who sanctifies. Well, I want to I help you with that today. I want to help define that. But the idea here is that, that God has a plan. So if you've been following us in these messages, you know that we've been really looking at the children of Israel and their journey out of Egypt, right, out of bondage, into the wilderness where they've been seeing, they've been seeing the hand of God. They've watched miracles. They watched the parting of the Red Sea. They watched him turn the water that was bitter into sweet water they could drink. And so he's been showing himself real to them over and over again. And yet they still complain and grumble. But what he has for them, folks, is this, this picture of a land that's the land of Canaan. And if you've ever read the Old Testament, you know he describes this place as a place that's flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it's a, it's a, a place that they would want to be. It's a dream place to live, right? And he said, I promise you, if you'll follow me, if you'll live for me, I'll give you that land. And so we see the journey out of Egypt into the wilderness and then the promise of the promised land. Well, it really reflects your and I, our journey where we've been before Christ, we were, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. We were bound up. Anybody bound up before? Before Christ, you were bound up. And when, he, when you came to faith in Christ, something happened. 
The Bible says that you're free now. You, you are no longer a slave. Now you're a son or a daughter. That's good news, isn't it? So your journey out of bondage and then the life that you're living now, it's like, okay, I'm on a journey. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when Christ returns and, and I live with him forever. So that's, that's kind of like that land that we're looking forward to. But in the meantime, here we are, right? We find ourselves in this so-called wilderness and God is doing something in us in this period of time where he wants us to first of all look forward to that day but also while we're here make sure that we're looking like him so this idea of sanctification is the ultimate goal is we're set apart that's really what sanctify means we have been set apart we're uniquely chosen for purpose how many you believe you're created on purpose for purpose and so that's what God is doing in us right now. He is wanting to sanctify us, set us apart for something amazing. And that's really what the idea of sanctification is all about. So for defining it, we'll say it again. We're set apart. Everybody say set apart. Or you're unique. Everybody say unique. There's a, a, a really a neat way to say this, that we're set apart for a unique purpose. Does that make sense? So I want to read to you out of Leviticus. Uh, how many of you ever tried to read Leviticus before? It's not very fun, is it? And you're like, wait, can I skip that book when I'm reading? But really and truly, if you think about it, it's in the Bible for a reason, right? And so what God's doing is he's saying, let me prepare you for what you're going to experience when you get to that place, that land of Canaan. Because there are going to be some some people there that are not living according to scripture right they're going to be they're going to be disobedient let's just put it that way and so what he's going to do is he's going to drive them out because of their disobedience but while he's preparing them for this journey he says here's here's what i want you to, i want you to live a certain way and i want you to worship me and you know god loves to be worshiped and so the idea here is that i want to show you my boundaries, my guidelines before you get to where you're going. So that when you get there, first of all, you're not going to be impacted by the people that are living there. Does that make sense? And so they're, I mean, they're doing all kind of stuff. Sexual immorality, I mean, just all kind of stuff. And so God is saying to them, here's how, here's my boundaries. Here's how I want you to live. Well, the problem is, folks, is that sometimes when there's a, when there's a clash of, of ideals or a clash of worldviews, sometimes we get pulled into the wrong side, right? And so what he's asking us to do is, and that's what he's asking the children of Israel to do is, I'm going to sanctify you, I'm going to set you apart, because when you face all this, I've got, here, here it is, this is how I want you to live. How many of you know God's a good father? And so if, if you have a, a good father, then a good father has rules, right? Or boundaries for your kids. Because if, if let's say my kids, my two, if I had grown up, let them grow up without any boundaries, without any rules, how would you feel about being around them? You're like, mm-mm, I'm not being around that brat. Because I love them, what did I do? 
I created a boundary for them because I had their best interest in mind. Does that make sense? So let's translate that to God. God has said, I have the best in mind for you. I have set you apart. I've got a purpose for you. But there's some boundaries that you've got to live by. Why? It's for your own good. So what he wants to do is keep you from the heartache, the shame, the guilt of living in about uh, living beyond the boundary that he's created for you. So I want to read to you out of Leviticus, and I want you to see his, what he says to his children. He says, Consecrate yourselves, therefore be holy. Everybody say holy. For I am the Lord your God. So he's, he's reminding them, I'm your Father, I'm your God. And then he says, And you shall keep my statutes and perform them. And this is where we get this idea of Jehovah Makedish from. I am the Lord. Remember when we said Lord when it's in all caps? That's Yahweh or Jehovah. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. In other words, I am setting you apart for something great. And so when we understand this is God's heart for us, that he is not this vengeful God who wants to ruin your life or, or make your life miserable. No, the opposite's true. He wants to keep you from a lot of heartache. He wants to keep you as his own. And so this journey that we're talking about from Egypt to the promised land is really all about us being set apart for a purpose. Everybody say that. I'm set apart for a purpose. So we've already defined it. And so the problem becomes for all of you and I, all of us, including me, is our belief system. And I'll describe this to you. So uh, I grew up in a very, we call it the holiness movement, right? And so in the holiness movement, it was wrong to wear makeup. Oh boy, somebody didn't lost some of you right there. It was wrong to wear jewelry. You couldn't cut your hair. You know, don't wear pants. All of that was a sign of holiness. Anybody, can anybody identify? You've heard of that. The problem is, it's all outward. And here's what happened. So I, I grew up going to church camp, and that's where I met my beautiful wife, Lori. My soulmate. I met her at church camp. And so I would watch the, the, all the people that I grew up going to church camp with. As they were getting older, I would, I would hear them. I would listen to the conversations, and I would hear them, and they would say, I can't do this. I can't, I can't live like this. And you know what they did? When they got old enough, they went wild. They went crazy. Well, is that any better than this strict obedience to stuff? Yes or no? It's not any better. And the problem is, neither one of them, neither the strict legalism of the outward appearance nor the going hog wild, neither one of them dealt with the real issue. What's the real issue? The real issue is the heart. It's the inside. And that's what God's concerned about when he says, I've come to sanctify you and set you apart. I'm concerned about what's going on in here. Because when you get this right, the outward behavior changes. Are y'all with me so far? Some of you are asleep, I can tell. It's okay. Hopefully it'll get better. And so, so God says, I'm, I've come to set you apart. I've come to give you the boundaries because I want to transform you from the inside out. I want to set you apart, sanctify you for something great. And the beauty of this is, folks, is 
it's actually, it actually happens basically in three realms. The first realm is, is the, the posi- we call it positional sanctification. When you come to faith in Christ, when you say, Jesus, I believe you died and rose again. I believe you, you walked out of the tomb and that you have come to redeem me and you place your faith in him. The Bible says at that moment you pass from death to life or he positionally sanctifies you. What are you talking about? Well, it's like this. It's, I was this person. I, had, I was dead in my trespasses, past my sins. And God says, I want to exchange. I want to I trade with you. I want to give you my righteousness and you give me your sin. How many of you like that trade-off? I love that. And that's exactly what Jesus did at the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, he who knew no sin, who's that talking about? Jesus Christ became sin for us. He took your sin. He became your sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So this positional sanctification is the moment you confess Christ, you are in good standing, you're in right standing, you are sanctified, you're set apart. Is that good news today? It is. It's the greatest news ever. But the beauty of this is that God, well, I want to read to you a couple of passages of Scripture before I move on. So go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Watch what Paul says about this idea of sanctification. He says, but of him you are in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. How do you become in Christ? You place your faith in what he did at the cross, right? Who became for us wisdom from God. And watch what he does. And righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So this positional sanctification... It's a complete work. I'm redeemed. God, he purchased me with his own blood. He, he purchased me with his life. Secondly, he gave me his righteousness so that now it's just as if I'd never sinned in the first part. Are you glad that you're justified, that you ne- like you never sinned at all? That's great news too. And then he says you're sanctified. In other words, he sets you apart. It's his blood that sanctifies Are you glad for positional sanctification today? That you're in right standing. That means when you stand before God, if you're in Christ, there's no more shame. There's no more condemnation. There's no more guilt. You stand before him with all confidence. We used to sing a song called Jesus Paid It All. and It says, we we faultless stand before the throne. Are you glad that you can do that this morning? And the beauty is it's not anything that you've done. It's all because of what Jesus accomplished at the cross. Can we give God praise for that this morning? That he accomplished it on the cross. And so you're positionally sanctified. But the beauty of, of this is that's just a first step on a journey that you're on. Remember, you're on a journey. A part of this journey is that all of the stuff that you did before Christ... All of the habits, all the things you listened to, all the things you watched, all of that stuff is still kind of like there's still this, this um, residual effect of your sin, right? Wrong, wrong attitudes, wrong belief systems that God has to change in you over time. It's a process of change, and we call this progressive sanctification, 
And what, what God wants to do is he wants to keep you on this journey the rest of your life, right? Because there's a lot of stuff. I was thinking about this as in my own, like I said, my own experience of, of growth. And, and I, I thought about Jesus. And because if you're thinking about sanctification, really sanctification is truly us wanting to look like Jesus. How many of you want to be like him? Think like him, act like him, talk like him. And this picture that we've had of holiness that I described a few minutes ago, many of us portray that, that image of, on Jesus. But if you really look at it, if you really think about it and read the, the New Testament, the Gospels, Jesus was a pretty cool, cool, cool guy to hang out with. Would you believe that? You know, okay, if there was a barbecue where there's some steaks thrown on the grill and some baked potatoes, guess where Jesus would be? Where would he be? He'd be at the barbecue. He'd be hanging out with folks, right? He would have a good time. But here's the problem. He was hang- the people that he was hanging out with got him in trouble with the religious folk. They accused him of being a sinner and a publican because of the, the people that he hung out with. But how many of you know Jesus, when he hangs out with you, he ain't just hanging out with you. He's got something in mind. He's got transformation in mind for you. Think about Jesus and kids, right? I I picture Jesus with kids hanging all over him. Like a jungle gym. You know, he's like, whoa, okay, yeah. One on his back, one on his arm, pulling on his leg, and he's just having the time of his life. But you remember the story where the disciples, they were doing that, and and they're like, hey, leave, leave Jesus alone. He's important. He's an important guy. Leave him alone. He's like, no, no, no. Don't tell them. He said, don't push them away. No. Let the children come because the kingdom of God looks like this. So I believe that he would, if, if he was here today, you know where he'd be? He probably wouldn't be in here with me and you. He'd be back in kids' church. He'd be hanging out with the kids. Are you with me? So this, this picture that we have sometimes of Jesus is that, man, he was a fuddy-duddy. He wanted to ruin everybody's day. But th- that couldn't be the more opposite of that. And so here's another idea. Think about this. He was the most gracious person on the planet. Because there's two stories in the New Testament that I think of. that I, I, I see it. I'm like, wow. The, the woman, everybody familiar with the woman at the well? Are y'all familiar with that story? I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence, but so Jesus is at, goes to this well at a certain time of day when, when it was kind of, wasn't there a lot of people there, but there was this woman there that came, for, she came there on purpose because she was ashamed. She was guilt-ridden. She was shamed because of her lifestyle. And so all the other women would come at different times. Could you imagine what they were saying about her? You know what she's doing, you know, who she's with now. Last week she was with so-and-so, and and then she was with that other. So could you hear, you could just hear those whispers. So she avoided it by going to the the well at this certain time of day. Well, Jesus, folks, Jesus had a divine appointment for this lady. And he talks to her. He, He strikes up a conversation with her about water. And it's not really about water, Tony. It's about living water. It's about something deeper than that. And he asked her about this idea of of water. And she begins to kind of avoid the subject. And then the conversation turns. And he begins to read her mail. He begins to tell her, oh, 
you ain't just had one husband. You've had five. And the guy that you're with now, he's not even your husband. Now, let me ask you a question. If a stranger came up to you and started reading your mail, how would you respond? Who are you to judge me? Folks, that's not what she did. There was something about Jesus that even when he was calling her out, she said, okay, let me go tell the whole village what just happened. Folks, that's how I can just imagine in my mind the conversation. He said, look, I understand where you are. I love you right where you are. But listen, there's so much more for you. I got so much more for you. What I will do for you will change your life forever. And I can just imagine her going, wow, I never thought this about myself. I thought I had done too much. I thought God would not receive me. But there's something about the love of Jesus and the mercy of God that will transform you. And so what happened was she went to the village and began to witness and tell people, you got to go come meet this guy. Because here's the truth about this next part of sanctification, this progressive sanctification. At positional sanctification, God meets you right where you are. Your flaws and all. Anybody got any flaws? Any perfect people in the room? I don't see any hands going up. I can't raise mine. So at positional sanctification, God says to you, I meet you, I love you, I meet you right where you are, all of your stuff, all of your junk. But the beauty of this is, he says, in the next breath, he says, but I love you too much to leave you where you are. And that's when we're saying progressive sanctification, we're talking about the journey that God takes you on of sanctification where all of the junk, all of the stuff that you've done in your past, he begins to free you up from it so that you can live the full life that Christ promised. Because I'm here to declare to you, God promised full life for you. And if you'll embrace this journey, he'll, he'll, he'll give you that. Amen? How many of you believe he'll give you that? So, Pastor, you know, okay. I'm positionally sanctified. I'm as if I've never sinned at all. That's good news. But I still got some stuff. that I got some habits. Well, God wants to help you with that. And I, here's, how I, here's why I believe that. Because here's what it says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says this. May God himself, the God of peace. Everybody say sanctify. How? Through and through. In other words... He wants to do a thorough, complete work. How many of you believe that? May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this. The one who calls you is faithful. Everybody say faithful. And he will do it. He makes a promise to you folks that I'm going to sanctify you, your whole being. I'm going to sanctify your mind. I'm going to sanctify your will. I'm going to sanctify your emotions. I'm going to sanctify your body. I'm going to sanctify your spirit. It's not an incomplete work that he does. No, it's a full, complete work that God wants to do in you now until the time he comes back. How many of you say, Pastor, I want that. I need that. 
So there's a how to this, right? There's the, the understanding that he wants to do that. He wants to sanctify you. He wants to get all that stuff out of you so you can become like Christ, so you can think, act, behave like Christ. So what's, what's the practical side of this, folks? Well, every single day that you wake up presents an opportunity for you to do this because you have a Bible, right? Everybody in this room has access to a Bible, am I right? Whether it's on your phone, your iPad, uh, uh, some of you like a physical Bible, you have access to the Bible. And we know, we say it around here all the time, the Bible is God's Word. It's how your life is transformed. And so every day presents an opportunity for you to open up your Bible, to read what it says, to believe what it says, and then to act on what it says. Okay? Are y'all with me so far? There's power in the Word of God. Is that true? So what the Holy Spirit will do is as you're reading it, as you are studying it, as you are applying it, as you're believing it, He will transform you from the inside out. We call it the renewing of the mind. Our, our thinking changes because of the Scripture. Our behavior changes because of what we're reading. And so the Holy Spirit can take what you read and use it to transform your life, to sanctify you holy. Amen. And then you have this other privilege of talking to God. We call it prayer. Pastor, you talk about reading the Bible in prayer an awful lot. Shouldn't I? That's the most powerful way for you to grow in your, in your walk with Jesus, in your relationship with Christ. So when you pray, again, it gives the opportunity for you to get to know this God who loves you, for you to understand his character, for him to speak to you. And again, it leaves that room. What's the room? What's the Holy Spirit doing? It leaves room for the Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out. So Bible reading and prayer are one practical way that God can sanctify you. Remember, it's progressive. He continues to. That's why, folks, you can't just, you can't just come to church and read, and, and read scriptures on the screen one time and the rest of the week ignore the Bible. It won't work. Amen. You have to engage every single day you have to engage God's word you have to engage him in prayer because it's a relationship I don't ignore my wife for a week if I did guess where I'd be I'd be sleeping on the couch it's true so the same is true for our relationship with God we don't ignore it we actually embrace it we engage because what's God's heart for you he wants to change you from the inside out. That's the first way we can sanctify us. The other way is through this local church. Now, can I commend you today? You're here. You're in the room. You made a way to get here, didn't you? Now, some of you had to fight like crazy to get here. Yeah, I see heads nodding. Yeah, yeah. Why do, listen, why do you think the enemy fights you so much to get to church every Sunday? 
Why does he do that? Because he knows when you get here, you get to be reminded that Jesus has already won the battle. That you get to be reminded that there's no other name but Jesus that to be worshipped and adored. That you can be reminded this is a place of miracles, of healing. And so he does not want you here experiencing the presence of God. That's why he'll keep you. Like this morning, for instance. About 6.30 this morning, I think maybe a little earlier than that, Lori gets a text from Amber, our drummer. And Amber's our next-gen pastor. Fantastic leader. Love, we love Amber so much. Anybody love Amber? So she tells, she tells the Lord, I'm sick. I can't, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go into the gory details. She's just sick. So we got a dilemma. We got no drummer. I mean, you know, you need a drummer. You need to keep her to the groove. That's what I call them. So Ron... One of our drummers graciously says, hey, I'll do it. I'll step up. Can we give Ron a hand this morning? Now, now Ron's an accomplished musician, so it wasn't like he was panicking because he didn't know the songs. But, but just the fact that the enemy tried this morning with, my, with us, get all things, you know, because, you know, it's easy to get all stirred up when, some, when something doesn't go as planned, right? Why did he do that? Because he wanted to get Lori distracted. He wanted to get the worship team distracted because he knows the power in worship. Amen. So the point I'm making is being a part of a local body is really important to your sanctification, to your process of growth. And so God will use the church to help you be sanctified, to set you apart. Sunday mornings are amazing. I love Sunday. I look forward to Sunday. But you know what? That's not the only. This church, we're really intentional about helping you take those steps. We call it steps toward full life, but we can say in this context, it's steps toward sanctification, right? Well, we offer every semester, we offer our life groups. I believe that God wants to use our life groups to sanctify you, to help you. So, so here's the thing. Friday night, we had this wonderful celebration. Amy was there. Some of you were there. We were celebrated with our leaders, our, our life group leaders, all that God had done in our last semester. Boy, and you know what? It did my heart good. I was a proud pastor Friday night because I saw, I heard the impact that our life groups are making in people's lives. And so I truly believe this. This is a conviction of mine that coming to church on Sunday is amazing. Connecting with people out in the foyer and over coffee and conversations. I love to see that. That many of you don't just get out of here on Sunday. You, you hang around and you, and you develop relationships. That's amazing. But that's only one step that we're offering you to, to become more like Jesus, to be sanctified. Life groups is the other one. So here's my challenge. As I've been saying the last couple of weeks, give us a year. Give us a year of connecting, diving all in to our church. Coming to church on Sundays regularly, getting in a life group, and then do growth track. That's our, that's our membership class. That's where we help you. Remember what we said, you're created on purpose, for purpose. God has sanctified you for a unique purpose. That's where we help you begin to discover that. We help you do these spiritual gifts inventories where you, you begin to see how God's wired you, how he's, what he's put inside of you. And it's so cool to watch that as people begin to make that discovery and begin to say, Pastor, I want to use that gift to serve somewhere in the church. 
to watch is people, when you, when you talk about, we talked about kids earlier, when they talk about serving in kids, they just light up because it's something God's put in their heart to do. Or when, they, when you hear them sing or you hear them play, you know that God has put his hand on them to play or lead worship. Or when you see them out front just smiling and hugging on people, you know God's gifted them to just make people feel welcome. Folks, God has put that specific, unique gift and ability inside of you, and it's our job, it's our responsibility to help bring that out. So Growth Track is that, that discovery. We can help you do that. And then we connect you to what we call our 1010 team, which is our, this is our volunteers. These are people that serve all over the church. And I'm going to tell you, when you find out, when you make that discovery, I was created on purpose. I was created for purpose. I was born to do this. There's nothing like it, folks. That's what God is offering you as a part of Full Life Church to progressively set you apart uniquely for what God's called you to do. How many of you believe that about yourself? Well, here's, here's the thing. Some of you don't believe that. You believe this, this lie. That's what it is. It's a lie. You believe, Pastor, if you only knew what I've done. God doesn't, won't accept me. If you only know what the places I've been, the things I've done, there's no way God can. Can I tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. God's righteousness on you, remember, it puts you in right standing with God. He remembers it no more. So here's the challenge. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to take you on this journey of sanctification where he's setting you apart for something really significant? As I was studying for this message, and I, every week I do a, I actually do a, a review with Ron, who, do, who played the drums this morning. And as we were talking Thursday night, he said, hey, maybe you can help him see this idea of being set apart um, with using a baseball. Now, anybody like Major League Baseball? Any Braves fans in here? If you're another fan, I just, no. just kidding. Just kidding. I know there's probably some Mets fans in here. I mean, okay, but they collapse. No, never, okay, never mind. But think about a baseball. Can you play a game? Can you play baseball without a baseball? How hard would it be to play baseball without a baseball? impossible and yet every every game there's about a hundred ball i heard because oh, I, I didn't know the the actual statistic but they use about a hundred baseballs every game it's a lot of baseballs in it but those baseballs have been set apart for that purpose as a matter of fact, um, Tom McNally was telling me about how they do that when they when they manufacture them they rub them down with some kind of, he said it was from mud from the Mississippi Delta, to get the ball ready to use in a game. So every time the, the game starts, the umpire has a little pouch, right? And he takes those baseballs and he's got them in his pocket, and every time he pulls one out, that ball is serving a purpose. It's being used for a purpose. It's created on purpose 
for a purpose. This is exactly what God has in store for you. He wants to set you apart. But the truth is, folks, there is a a reality, folks, that, that, that the way Jesus and the way our Heavenly Father wants us to behave does look different than the way the world behaves. Okay? I want to make sure you're clear on that. And so when he sanctifies you and sets you apart, remember the the boundaries he's given you. He's given you that because he doesn't want you to trip up. He doesn't want you to mess up on the purpose. Because if we get bound up in some of these things, some of these habits, it'll rob you of purpose. Some of you, you you battle addictions. They'll, They'll rob you of your purpose. But can I declare to you today that there's freedom? There's freedom from addiction today. God offers that to you because he loves you, because he wants you to live fully alive. So the last part of this, folks, is the idea that God, at the end of our days, wants this last realm of sanctification for you. We call it glorification. So here's the idea. When Jesus returns, what's going to happen to sin? totally erased. So here's how it looks. Positional sanctification. You're justified. You're free from the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. So salvation, positional sanctification, frees you from the penalty of sin. And then the next step, the progressive sanctification, frees you from the power of sin. And then the ultimate sanctification... When Jesus returns, are y'all looking forward to that day? He frees you from the presence of sin. Y'all get that? The presence, the power, the penalty, justification, sanctification, glorification. Where you get a glorified body, a new body that's not subject to any of that anymore. Are you looking forward to that day today? This is what Jesus offers you if you'll... If you'll cooperate with him, if you'll connect with him, you can be sanctified. Amen? So what's the, what's the takeaway? What's your response today? Understand, sanctification, you are set apart for a purpose. Number two, that God is going to positionally sanctify you through the power of the cross of Christ. Through what Jesus did on the cross, you're positionally sanctified. And then the journey begins, a progressive sanctification where he's making you more like Jesus every single day. Through, remember, through the Word and through the church. And then we're going to look forward to that day, that final day when Christ comes and, and glorifies us. And understand, you've got to understand this. The Spirit of God is the one who's doing the sanctifying. Can you submit to him today? Here's another question. Will you submit to him this morning? Thank you for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this moment to greatly impact your life. We invite you to live fully alive in Christ with us here at Full Life Church. We'll see you next week.